Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. It's been a minute, but you're here and we're here. This is DNF. Uh, this is the F1 podcast featuring myself, Spencer Hall, and uh, the marvelous Jessica Smetana. Jessica, it's been a while. How are we doing? We're doing well. Um, we had a little vacation, holiday, summer break. And then we had an additional break because uh, I was traveling out of the country. And now, Spencer, we're back for the second half of the Formula One season. That was very international and cosmopolitan of you. You were in Ireland for a Notre Dame football game. Did you see any F1 crossover while you were on the Emerald Isle? To be honest, no. And actually, the the most surprising thing um, that I found out about the Irish people, because I don't know, despite going to a university with the Fighting Irish uh, nickname, I don't know a whole lot about Ireland. Um, All of the people there, for the most part, the Irish people were saying that football especially like college football is way too slow for them and they don't like it um and i was like wow they i guess they're really big fans of soccer and then i was like you know what actually no they're rugby fans there they don't care about soccer and i feel like i didn't really realize that until i was there and experienced it but it's an interesting place they have the gaelic games and they have rugby and i tried to find a formula one bar the last day i was there there was like one but it was two miles away so i was like i'm not gonna it's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll watch this one later. Yeah, that is, by the way, Ireland, one of the best rugby teams in the yeah. world. Rugby World Cup started. Great sporting culture, but not a soccer or college football one. Yeah, starting on Friday the 8th, by the way. Just in case your international sports schedule is not crowded enough, the Rugby World <laughs> Cup is dropping in the middle of football season, uh, the second half of the F1 season, and uh, your various other co- uh, various other footballs, including college football. Hi, I have a question for you. Mm. And it comes from our good friend Elizabeth Blackstock. And I think it's a good place for us to start this week if we're going to talk about the current state of F1 which is this. The headline in Jalopnik is as follows. Formula One owners are stuck marketing a sport after they sold us entertainment. Ooh. (laughs) I am laughing because it is with the pain of accuracy that I am covering with humor by laughing at that. That seems pretty on the nose. Max Verstappen, I believe, has won 10. Oh, are we at 10 in a row? 10 in a row. Broke Vettel's record this weekend. Yes complete dominance by Red Bull generally and by Max Verstappen specifically. What do we do with the season at this point? I'm asking that somewhat rhetorically. 
What, yeah. what do we do? I mean, look, I don't want to have the is Max Verstappen bad for Formula One conversation because it seems like a silly thing, but it is kind of the elephant in the room right now. Like it is the thing that people who were casuals of Formula One during COVID and when it really took off in the US are now asking me all the time. Like on my podcast every week, Mike Golick is like, so why Max won again? Why? Like, are you, does this even matter anymore? And I'm like, ah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to have the whole like referendum on the sport because the guy is in a car that's that much faster than everyone else's. But we have reached a point now where um, if you're Formula One and you're trying to sell the don't you want to tune in and watch the most successful racer of all time, like the fastest guy, the best guy continue to break records. And a lot of the casuals are like, no, I don't think we want to tune in and watch that. And I don't blame them. I don't, no, you know, if you, if, no. if you are, if you're the kind of person who's not a completist and you don't want to just, you know, be there for the thrill of speed alone, which to me is generally enough. Okay. Yeah. Even if that same person setting the like mark for that speed happens to be the same for 10 weeks in a row, that's fine. But I also would say this, that we're at the thing where is every other sport like this? Like, think about it. Let's compare F1. If you have dominance in racing like this, okay, um, is it like football? I'd say no, because in football, when you have dominance, it can only last for so many games. Yeah. It really can. Like, you know, we, we it'll be 17-0 and 0 in the NFL, right? And even then, with the playoffs thrown in, you won't be sitting there bored by greatness for as long as possible, especially because of the nature of just the way football goes and soccer is it like this absolutely not because soccer has so many like loopholes so many ways for things to go irrevocably wrong in a game that have almost nothing to do with the skill level of the players right you hit the post three times where the other guys hit two maybe you get an own goal weird stuff happens there there's been no weird stuff elizabeth's article does a great job of pointing this out that the consistency in both safety and in reliability of F1 has made this a more consistent product. And when one driver is this good, they're going to be more consistently great, which actually equals a worse product entertainment-wise. Mm. I mean, I, th I think I'm, I might have jokingly said this at the beginning of the season, but like not having a Latifi out there, not mm -hmm. having like a wild card driver probably hurts us a little bit too because there haven't been that many crazy like late race red flags or anything like that but yeah i mean comparing to other sports max for snap max verstappen's dominance like i think of the most dominant teams or the most dominant players or or eras in sports and i think of like the yukon women's basketball team or tom brady's new england patriots and like it's hard to compare sports one to one but they didn't win every single game i mean the year that tom brady won every single game they lost the super bowl <laughs> so yeah. like there's just never been this kind of week in and week out like you don't really go into the race even this weekend when carlos was on pole and i thought you know, okay, Ferrari looks like they're really fast this weekend. They're going to put up a really tough fight. I know Carlos isn't going to finish in first place. As long as all things equal in terms of reliability and race conditions, Max Verstappen will win this race. He has won the last nine races in a row. It doesn't matter if he's on pole position or not. He's going to win. And, like, that does suck as a fan. And I think if you're just talking about, like, the casual Formula One fan, the American fans, people like me who started watching the sport in the last three to five years 
Um, it's harder to sell those people on a midfield battle. It's harder to sell those people on this, like a race like this weekend, which was a good race. It was fun. It was exciting. The ending was pretty fun. We watched the Ferraris battle it out for the last five laps. Like it was a, it was a good solid fun time, but it might, might not be what you come, you came to, um, get used to in 2021 when there was a little bit more variance. It wasn't, even if it was, you know, Max versus Lewis, there was an occasional other guy up there. Occasionally. And uh, another point that Elizabeth makes, which I think is on the nose, but I want to extend a little bit. A lot of the marketability of F1 came directly from the wellspring of Drive to Survive, that it was so well packaged and timed at a point where it had great exposure to people who were going to essentially be a mostly captive audience. You know, you were in the house, you were going to watch this show. And it carried over into sort of the post-COVID era. And it focused on teams that were participating, that didn't have a lot to gain or lose because they knew they were going to be back of the pack. That's, And I think that really forced their hand into telling interesting stories. I think that's a really valid point. F1 has been in the past, has struggled to market itself. That's something that F1, the the institution, has struggled with. They haven't done a great job of that historically. And and Drive to Survive gave them this force multiplier. You know, outside forces gave them this great marketing tool for that. And without them in season in an era right now where someone is so dominant, they're back to square one. They're not very good at finding stories to tell mid-season. Like Domenicali's answer for this is to say, oh, this is a historical thing and you should watch Max Verstappen. You know, history can be boring as it's unfolding. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure. Well, I, I'm curious, Spencer, sorry to cut you off. I'm curious mm-hmm. since you have watched Formula One longer than me, because like the rebuttal from a lot of Formula One fans this season has been like, this is how it's always been. There's always been an era of dominance, by whether it was Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton and now Verstappen, like there's no difference. And this is just how Formula One usually is. Like, what is your rebuttal to that? And why might this feel a little different? The people who are going to be there, the, the, the people who say that are diehards, and they're generally going to be there no matter what. And they've also adapted. And I think that you've seen that with a lot of Newer F1 fans, they've adapted by finding little storylines, finding things to focus on. You know, the tragic comedy of Ferrari. I understand showing up every week to watch someone have the worst day uh, of their work week is maybe a little sadistic. Maybe. I also think it could be kind of compelling when you show up and go, man, what's Charles Leclerc going to go through today? Mm. What's what's going to happen to him? I don't want to say that it's a super compelling storyline on par with Max Verstappen being historically dominant. However, it's been fascinating to watch McLaren put things together this year. There's little things. If you appreciate the sport in context, you can do it, but that's effort. That's effort. And I, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to go to that effort. They'd like to have it spoon fed to them. I think that's something that, you know, formula one should do a better job of mid season. You know, that's something that I think they're going to have to feel out. That's it. That to me is like, that's a real challenge is to sort of say, okay, well, we taught you who to watch in the off season. And we've taught you these easy storylines that you can pull out if we have a documentary crew to make it human and compelling. I don't know how much more we could do in season to really sort of sell people on, okay, interesting things are happening elsewhere. You just need to go ahead and say, all right, we have historical dominance and, right? You right. need to build in that and. 
for this. You know, we can do that. We can do that to some extent. I I don't really, it's not our, it's all right. How's this? It's not the media's responsibility to do that. No, definitely not. I think the Daniel Ricardo storyline, him coming back midway through before midway through the season was like a Hail Mary pass. Like, okay, we have someone now because we know that F1 and Liberty media, they really are focused on Americans and the American dollar and high Betty. And they are putting races in Miami and Las Vegas. They have 10 year Mm -hmm. contracts with Las Vegas and they're on year two of a 10 year contract with Miami. So we want to have our American favorite Daniel Ricardo back in a seat in formula one. And then what happened, Spencer? We haven't yeah. talked about this yet on the show. And then he broke, broke his, his hand. hand. Then he broke his hand. Yeah. So like all <laughs> it of the little. could have been a moment. It could have been a moment. All of the little the boosters that they've tried to build into the season, right? <laughs> Just have sort of failed, right? Maybe Mercedes will put it together. Um, Mercedes didn't exactly lose it, but they didn't exactly put it together either. They never really got close. Maybe Ferrari will turn the corner. Plot device number two has failed because Ferrari <laughs> did anything but turn the corner in terms of competing with Red Bull, okay? Uh, Maybe you'll see Alfa Romeo start to sort of come up. They've had a terrible season. They've had a very disappointing season, I think. Yeah, Yeah. very bad. Maybe darling of the camera, Gunther Steiner, will do something interesting. He hasn't. Like, the only time we've really talked about Haas (laughs) is when Mick Schumacher did an interview and was like, yeah, Gunther, like, made me feel bad because he said that me crashing cars was expensive. And that was before the season even really started. Yeah. yeah. Like we haven't had much. You're right. You're right. I think I think how does Formula One fix it? How do how does Liberty Media turn the ship back around? Or are we now gonna just like are are we gonna see them now kind of like try to just focus on what to do next year, how they're gonna maybe change the regulations or neutralize the playing field next season? I, I think that is the only possible solution is to try to level the field and try to create something closer to parity, closer. And, you know, that's something that they've already been trying to do. It's kind of like, if you want to know, the really remarkable thing is that there are so many little countermeasures and large policies that F1 has built in to create competition. And Red Bull just sailed right through them anyway. Yeah, that's that's the remarkable thing about how good Verstappen's car has been and how good Verstappen has been uh, this season. So I don't know. It's if you put more measures in, do they just sail right through them again? That's another thing. That's another possibility. I know that one thing you have to do as a fan is sometimes you have to come to terms with dominance. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to come to terms with, all right, I'm living under a totalitarian regime called the era of Red Bull dominance. This has been preceded by an era of Mercedes-Benz dominance where they really hit the hybrid model and Lewis Hamilton managed to go ahead and build the edifice that is his huge legacy in the sport. And prior to that, there was Schumacher, right? Um, And in Vettel and, and so on and so on and so on. I do think there's a learning curve where the American fan just sort of has to accept Right. And I say the American fan, the nouveau American fan, yeah. right? The the nouveau riche American fan who's sort of come <laughs> into it and gone, I like things that go fast. That's great. That's great. You got to understand in a sport that relies so much on technical prowess and on engineering know-how, sometimes people miss and sometimes people hit to a degree that no one else will. This is where I ask our producer, Doug, to put in the TikTok from the creator who was talking about how even when Lewis Hamilton won all those championships, at least he was cool. <laughs> because yeah. I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anyone, like, 
Verstappen is is not exactly cool. <laughs> like that's yeah, and that, that I, that's I, the thing. I do think that's part of it a little bit. Like maybe he's just not everyone's favorite the way that like Lewis Hamilton or uh, Daniel Ricardo Ricardo or some of the other drivers are. But then again, that could just be my U.S. bias. Like I know he's incredibly popular in the Netherlands and in Europe, but um, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny TikTok. Doug, put it right here. Max Verstappen and Red Bull have single-handedly managed to make a whole sport boring. Don't chat to me about Lewis Hamilton dominance. When Lewis Hamilton was dominating, first of all, he was cool. Second of all, other people were winning races and he had drama to win a race with one no left tire. He had to flip and win with a broken wing. Penalties, start at the back of the grid, drama. This brother's just winning races and he's ahead by five minutes. He's ahead by a whole ad break. And he's on the radio to his pit team just saying, oh, should we have some pit stop practice? Shut up, bro. It's all Nicholas the TV's fault. It's that crash in Abu Dhabi. When he did that, he opened the multiverse of madness and Spider-Man came through. And now Max Verstappen started winning. He just did that and left. No, bring him back, FIA, and fix this. FIA needs to reset. Reset the whole thing. Everyone starts from new cars next season. Start it because you've ruined sport. You have to survive cannot save you. It can't save. There's no drama. How what is Netflix working with? Nothing. There is also this, that when you're talking about pleasing fans, do we want to go that far? Like, how far do we want to go to make sure the fans are happy? It's a good question. I mean, how far do we need to go to make sure fans are spending money on going to races and doing the things that, you know, watching Drive to Survive, doing the things that make Formula One money? Because you know what you get with parody a lot of times in racing? Something that you didn't expect and that isn't yeah. entirely pleasant. You know, look at NASCAR, right? That is stock car racing. It is built to be... Uh, as competitive and equal as possible and rely entirely on the driver's skill. And it's not like it saved that sport either. Though there's a lot of factors there. Factors that might play into F1, by the way. We might, in a year or two, be talking about overexpansion. Yeah. I think, that is, I think that's entirely possible where we go, okay, might be too many races on the schedule. Might have watered down the product to the point where we diluted a lot of what made the sport so exceptional, i.e. that there's not that much of it. There's a lot, but, but you know, relative to some other sports, but there's not a lot of it when you come down to like the number of races. I was looking at some of the ratings for the Italian Grand Prix and it's not like the ratings have dropped substantially from what I can tell. I'm not like a, you know, ratings junkie or anything like that. People are still watching the races. Um, but it, in the article that Elizabeth wrote, it seems like there has been a, um, she used her own metric, but it seems like there has been somewhat of a, a loss of interest from, you know, fans that came along for the ride in 2021 that are now kind of falling off because we know who the winner of the season is going to be and we're ready to just like call it a season and move on to next year. Um, I think one thing that I'm looking forward to, though, uh, still in this Formula One season, Spencer, there's two races left in the U.S. One we know is always a fun race, the race in Austin, the U.S. Grand Prix that's coming up. Uh, a little over a month from now. And the other is the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which I have absolutely no idea what to expect from any of that. Las Vegas, I, I have not spent a lot of time there, um, but mm -hmm. I feel like I've spent enough time there. I have, like Having spent a couple days there, I feel like I, I, I get it. I feel like I get what's going on. And everything I've heard about the construction of this race has been kind of bonkers. There was a report that Liberty Media sent a letter to all the restaurants and clubs along the strip where they're racing, charging uh, people $1,500 a head or else they're going to put up like posters and and like 
uh, blockade so that you can't see the race from inside the restaurants mm-hmm. along the race course. I, I've like heard things like I've read things like that. I've read that they're now, you know, tearing down trees in front of the Bellagios and they're about to build a big grandstand. They're in the process of building the paddock. It's not done yet, but it's, you know, they're, they're getting there. I saw a time lapse on the formula one account in which it ended with them still having not dug a hole yet, which was a little surprising. Um, but you know, that race is November 13th, I want to say. So it's in like two months from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't know what it's going to look like other than, you know, I've, I've seen the renderings, but I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what it's going to be. It looks crazy. Uh, yeah, there have been a couple of different little, if you want to know the hiccups building up to that. Um, so Paddock was the last name of the Las Vegas shooter in uh, the MGM mass shooting. I'm sorry, the Mandalay Bay mass shooting. Um, That is, uh, so they're considering renaming the building that you usually call the paddock because because it's considered to be a bit insensitive to some Las Vegas residents who don't know that's normally what you call that and associate it with something else real bad entirely. It's not a word that we generally use in the in the United States for no, like only in horse racing, maybe right? Like even that. yeah, they you know they've had they've had to take the trees in front of uh, the Bellagio down. Allegedly, those are being transplanted yeah. elsewhere to local parks and will be replanted um, in a farm upstate. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. They're going to a farm somewhere up around Reno. Um, but yeah, they've Formula One had to bring some of those prices down. Um, it is uh, it is going to be wild because there are all these little things we're mentioning that are going to be challenges. I actually think it's going to go pretty well. And that's because there is no place in America that hosts events more often than Las Vegas. It's not like they just have a convention center. There are multiple gigantic convention centers, tons of hotels in every single direction, and the ability to move people quickly from the airport to the strip. I think there's going to be some log jams pedestrian-wise. Like Once the race starts, you'll be locked down. Right? Oh, yeah. you, you, you won't be able to move. And I don't think it's going to be the greatest... Like, I don't think it's going to be the greatest viewing opportunity for anybody who is a serious F1 fan. I don't think that's any, like, the sight lines are not going to be great. This is primarily a TV event. If you want great sight lines and you want the actual, you know, live in-person audience participation event, go to Austin. Austin's got great, you know, grandstands, excellent sight lines, some spectacular views of the track that can be had for not a whole lot of cash. That's not going to be the case with Vegas, but I don't think anyone assumes that. No, no. one assumes like, ah, oh, the people's event, the Las Vegas F1 race. No, there's going to be $500 minimum tables there. There was weekend. also a um, a screenshot of, I think it was Ticketmaster going viral of a ticket that was like a standing room only ticket that was $500,000, which I went on Ticketmaster and I think that was just like, some random guy who set the price at $500,000 because there were, and I'm not saying this is cheap. I did find grandstand tickets that were like a thousand dollars and that doesn't even factor in how much it's going to cost to stay at a hotel in Las Vegas or fly to Las Vegas that weekend. So like this is without a doubt the most cost prohibitive uh, race of all of the races in the United States and regular people probably are not going to be going to it. This is meant for, um, the corporate sponsors. This is kind of going to be like what Miami was like in its first year, right? Like it was all hospitality suites and big money 
Formula One people that were going to their first race and deciding, hmm, should our company get involved in this? Should we spend money on this the next go around? Uh, but like you said, I think it'll probably look really cool on TV because all the night races look really cool on TV. They're not all great races, though. They're not all super fun. There's not generally a lot of passing during any of them. Um, but, you know, it is a Saturday night race that's going to be in the West Coast time zone and people are going to watch it and it's going to look really cool. So I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, but it's certainly I, I cannot recommend uh, Austin enough if you're a fan who wants to actually go to a race. <laughs> yes, that would be the That's the best pure racing suggestion in the United States is the Austin race. As far as one thing I want to go ahead and challenge all of our listeners to do. If you have any expertise in Las Vegas, if you have spent significant time trying to spend as little as possible to gamble as much as possible, eat as much as possible, and drink as much as possible on as little cash as possible, we're going to do this. We're going to put this together. We're going to create the dirtbag guide to the Las Vegas F1 race. I'm going to find a way to get all of you in to this race, or at least close enough so that we can have the cheapest possible lodgings, spend as little money. Don't be afraid to be as extreme as possible. If someone's like, hey... Sleep on the monorail. I'm willing to entertain that. Okay. Because I'll be going, but somebody else is paying for it. And I won't really be able to do this. Okay. But I think there's very creative ways to do this. I think there's going to be some buffets that are going to be strained to the breaking point at this event. That is actually a really good call. I hadn't thought of the strain on the famous Las Vegas buffets in terms of how many people. I mean, we did hear that. There were some hospitality suites that ran out of food at the first Miami race. So if they weren't ready for that, I mean, these Vegas, like you said, they're built for conventions. They're built for high volume traffic, but um, I'm a little worried about them. I, I am. I, hope I am ready. I will say this. They staged an F1 race for two consecutive years in Miami, and it happened. <laughs> if you can do that in Miami, a place Without any ability to host a large event whatsoever. The worst whatsoever. infrastructure in the, the country. The worst probably. infrastructure, right? And and set the whole thing in the parking lot of an American football stadium. Then I feel very confident that a dedicated street track in Las Vegas is going to be just fine. Spencer, I have a, a question for you. Sure. Um, yes or no. Were you surprised when you found out that all 10 teams in Formula One were under the budget cap for the last season. No, because accounting is the sweetest lie imaginable. <laughs> so I I was I, I am not surprised because I am sure they all went out of the way to make it look as unsuspicious as possible, which is funny because when everybody's under the cap, it all looks super suspicious. If it had been it just does, one or two teams, it? yeah, it looks it, super suspicious. If you told me like, you know, Alfa Romeo was over by 20 grand, but everyone else was good, I'd be like, okay, actually, yeah, I got Mm -hmm. you. But it's also weird because like we found out in 2022 that Red Bull was over in 2021. So you would imagine at that point in 2022, they maybe also had been over. Uh, I don't know. Just does something seem a little weird to you? Like it just it just it's seems like, a little it, weird to me. It's like when everyone in I'm not the accusing class, them of cheating. Just saying. when everyone in the class gets exactly a ninety four out of a hundred yeah, on something. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. You all got the same. Answers. You all got the same answers. That's crazy, man. Mm. But yeah, good so, for them. No controversy this year with the budget. Yeah. Board. No. No. Listen, I think they all just got together and agreed. They were like, oh, "Yeah, man, just we're not doing it. this again." Yeah. <laughs> 
We're not doing this again. We're all exactly $37 under, right, guys? Right, guys? Yes, $37 under. Um, we have a question from a listener. What are the funniest possible storylines for the remainder of the season? I'm rooting for a Yuki podium and other teammate collision. Ferrari might be the strongest pa- possibility. I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, Yuki podium. Yuki podium. I am also rooting for a Yuki podium. Uh, we also had another listener who um, is rooting for an Alex Albon podium. That seems like not outside of the realm of possibility, really, if you think about it, right? Like we could we could see that. I think we could see that. Um, and I say Yuki, by the way, funniest outcome just because Alpha Tauri's had such a bad season, not because Yuki so is himself a joke, not at all. To the contrary, Yuki, I think, has done a great job this year given the tools that he He's has. He's doing his best, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think most people who... Yeah, most people who know ball, most people who uh, actually know what they're talking about would agree with me. They'd say, yeah, y- Yuki's done pretty well, given what he has. I think another another funny outcome would be, honestly, it's pretty funny if Verstappen doesn't win them all at this point. <laughs> like, if it's, I mean, and if it's not Red Bull, that's even funnier. Because there's really yeah. no excuse other than, I hit something and my car won't go. That would be it. Because I haven't even seen... Verstappen had like a little wiggle a couple of races ago. Yeah, I haven't even seen and we were all like, close. "Oh, this is it! This is yeah, the, this is the race. Something's happening with the car. Mechanical failure." No, Sergio. Yeah, Sergio Perez might win another one. Yeah, that's hasn't happened. I'm with you, and I think like I will give him all the credit in the world as he deserves for still keeping focus despite doing like the same job over and over and over again to a point that it becomes probably less exciting and less fun than, you know, the first 40 times he did it. Like it probably is a little boring being this good and having the confidence that it doesn't matter how, like Red Bull said this weekend, like we we're not that worried about qualifying. Like it doesn't matter. And sure enough, after 15 laps, he passed Carlos signs pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, Again, Ferrari car passed very easily by Max Verstappen. This is a pattern. Maybe, maybe next season as well. Like that's something. Yeah. Although I, I think the greatest, the greatest equalizer. Like we didn't really talk about this, but the greatest equalizer. When you go, well, what's going to happen uh, to really sort of bring Red Bull back down to earth or bring everyone else up a level? Behind the scenes changes. Yeah. You know, an engineer goes here. You know, a coordinator goes there. Like people who are People who are the actual brainiacs behind these machines, changing places, finding new opportunities. It's a people business. That's the weirdest thing to say, but it's absolutely true. Um, it's not my thought. It's definitely Adrian Newey's thought first before <laughs> it was mine. But you know, in it does this business, sound familiar, but you're in right. this business that is largely machinery piloted by people, the people matter a lot and not necessarily the ones driving. So uh that you know. The the war for the brains that make all of this happen to me is the thing that will really sort of determine. And a lot of times that's not just money. A lot of times that's, you know, opportunity. You know, that's opportunity. That's the relationships that are either broken and somebody goes somewhere else or somebody feels like they need to prove something. So that's the thing in the offseason that's going to be fascinating to watch is, you know, everyone switching places. There is one other fascinating thing that I have kind of kept an eye on. I'm not sure if you've been following along, but it's the last thing I want to talk about here in this Italian Grand Prix race review DNF episode. Um, Felipe Massa, he is now um, trying to legally overturn the results of the 2008 
Formula One championship, the championship that Lewis Hamilton won. Um, and something that we talked about briefly, I think maybe in last year's uh, last year DNF episode was Crashgate, um, which was the Singapore Grand Prix uh, situation. But you can explain it. But have you been keeping an eye on this lawsuit and what's been happening in the European courts? And do you think there's any merit to any of this? <sighs> First, a word on the European courts, which is definitely <laughs> how you want to start a sexy discussion ever. Y'all take a minute. Y'all take y'all take <laughs> y'all take your time. There's like court cases in Italy that have been going on for like 20 years. You know, so if you wanted to yeah. get into like a leisurely profession, the European legal community seems to take things like at a chopped and screwed kind of pace, right? Like super slow. Um this would be if they didn't get uh, this is as of uh, as of yesterday, actually, uh, Massa's team of lawyers, they were going to go to the British High Court um, if by the 8th of September, if they didn't or if they didn't get a response from the FIA uh, and company by September 8th. And uh, their lawyers, their, their lawyers, I know lawyers are always confident, but they're like, hey, in the terms of the appeal, the chance are high. Are they? I don't know, but an attorney said they were. And that's at least enough to keep the billable hours rolling. Can you hear me being real skeptical about this? I do. I think I think it's fair to be skeptical. So the Crashgate controversy was when Nelson Piquet purposely, allegedly, can we say allegedly or we know it was purposely now? I don't know. I don't want to go end up in European. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and just say allegedly. Allegedly. Um, to allow Fernando Alonso to win. And this wasn't in like the title race. This wasn't the final race of the season that Lewis Hamilton won in. This was three races prior in Singapore. Um, and so Massa believes that he deserves compensation because he lost out on a lot of money by not winning the championship that year. Um, and he's claiming that he's not doing it for the money. He's doing it for the integrity of Formula One. Um, I think it's fine if you're doing it for the money. I, I Get your money. Uh, I'm not judging you if you're doing it for the money. Um, I'm sure it costs a lot of money to do all of this as well. But um, that's essentially it. The allegations are that F1 knew that uh, PK had purposely crashed and that they didn't do anything about it. And it cost him a championship that season. And he wants something in return or else we will all be doomed for eternity because of the FIA's lack of integrity. Yeah. By the way, Nelson PK admitted that he was told to. Okay, so it's not alleged. So, it's not no, alleged. Just, I wanted to make sure before I by Nelson P.K. Jr.'s own account. Okay, he definitely did that shit. <laughs> and uh, not if question, I did it, just I did it. No, and the question the question is whether the FIA just sort of swept it under the rug and ignored it. Which would Bernie Eccleston do that? Is that something <laughs> that is part of the history of F one? Just gonna yeah. leave that floating out there. Yeah. I mean, he seems like he's got a lot of evidence, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <sighs> I think he's got a bit. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. But I, I think anytime, anytime somebody says, hey, we would like to retroactively change this championship. A part of me is like, do you really think that's going to happen? When, when is the FIA voluntarily done uh, any sort of like grand rearrangement of its world in the name of getting things right that's you know hey to be fair the fia that's just true of all like large sports conglomerates you know they're not big on on revisionist history so um 
even if that history is accurate, even if we're rewriting it correctly. Um, so I have a reader question for you, Ooh, if, if okay. we would like to entertain those. Let's do all it. All right. From Jer Bear, we all know Checo's leaving Red Bull. Breaking news from Jer Bear. Okay. <laughs> I mean, possibly, possibly. I always want to hedge that heavily. Yeah. Um, so three questions. Where do y'all want him to go? Where do y'all think he's going? And what is your ideal Checo plus a driver team pairing? Huh. I mean, are we going to take into account that like most teams already have next year kind of locked up in terms of, you know, drivers under contract? Like Ferrari's got signs and Leclerc under contract. Mercedes just re-signed George Russell and Lewis Hamilton until 2025. Um, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly are under contract till 24. McLaren's got Norris and Piastri until 24 and 25. Um, those are probably the teams that Checo would want to race for that have had competitive fast cars. And then there's the the rest of the pack and there's a few openings. I mean, Aston Martin also, I, we don't even know how long Lance Stroll is under contract for maybe forever, as long as his dad owns the team. But okay, I'm, glad you, I'm, I'm glad you steered right into that. Cause I was like, okay. <laughs> fire, fire your son, hire Checo. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> It's a competitive team that question mark has an opening. Our Alonzo's under contract till 24 also for Aston Martin, but Lance Stroll, like, I don't, I don't know what his situation is. Um, I mean, even Haas has Magnuson and Hulkenberg under contract till 24. And we know the contracts can be broken. We know that this happens. It happened last year with Ricardo at McLaren, but all of these seem like contracts that I wouldn't expect to see any of them get broken for Sergio Perez. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. What Alonso do and Perez. Alonso and Perez. Come on. Uh, the the Espano and Blante's awesome, connection. That's what we need. Racing. Two, two Spanish speakers racing for an English team owned by a Canadian. Let's embrace this multinational future. Let's put this team on the track. I don't know if it's probable, but it does answer Jer Bear's question, which is what's your ideal Treco plus driver plus team pairing? So Bang. Spencer says Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso. Um, I like it. Yes. Also, also, it'd be also, it would, you know, it would put Lance Stroll uh, in a situation that he was in before he ever entered racing, which is that he would be a rich guy. Congratulations. <laughs> You're still like, oh, poor guy. I'm like, yes, yes, that would be one dream shattered. But uh, one, he's better than you. And two, dad needs results. Yeah. Well, We'll see if he gets any in Singapore in two weeks, Spencer. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be back after the Singapore Grand Prix. I know we've had some infrequency with our episodes dropping, but you know we had Formula One. Blame it on Formula One and the fact that they took three weeks off. And when they came back, I was in Ireland learning about rugby. That's true. And not F1. This is what you need to do. Go back and bring the divine sport of Formula One racing to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on. it was there. It just wasn't like as readily available as the other things that I was watching. <laughs> just, do, do the drivers hit each other? Uh, not usually, no. Not usually. It's going to be a hard sell, but I think you're the person to do it anyway. Uh, for yep. Jessica Smetana and myself, this has been DNF. We will talk to you after the Singapore Grand Prix. Zoom, 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 zoom.